So we're going to start in Esther chapter 4. We're just going to look at verses 15 through 17 to kind of give us a frame of reference. And then hopefully we'll be reminded of another underdog. I did forget to mention this. I really want to mention this, Philip. It's coming to mind. Um, so two weeks from today, Emily Petty is a missionary to Japan, and she was actually in our youth group. Uh, when did she come to our church? Probably like third or fourth grade, something like that. And now she's going to Japan to share the gospel. It's real awesome. She will be here in two weeks, okay? And then Palm Sunday this year, again, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, a really good time to invite people. We're going to have kind of a special element in the Palm Sunday and the Easter Sunday service that we haven't done before. And Good Friday is going to be complete. It's going to be very tangible. On. I think you're going to really enjoy it if you can come. It will be at 6 o'clock on a Friday. I know that's kind of a strange time. But if you would invite people and pray and come, I think it will be very, uh, it'll speak to your heart that night in a way it probably hasn't been in a Good Friday service. So would you pray for those things as they come up? And we're looking, really looking forward to those, those times. We'll be here before we know it. All right. Esther chapter 4, verse 15. The Bible says, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's So today we're going to look at Mordecai and Esther as underdogs. This is kind of humorous, but I thought it was a good fit of this phrase. Let's stick this phrase in your mind. The youth in my church have been studying the book of Esther. I knew my son had been paying attention when he had Brussels sprouts for supper. Sparing one and looking at this tastefully, he placed it in his mouth saying, if I perish, I perish. <laughs> All right. Today, we want to think about Esther's faith, and it is insanely incredible. And yet, the God of Esther is who is insanely incredible, and he is nowhere to be mentioned, but he is everywhere to be found. Esther is the only book of the Bible where God is not mentioned at all. And yet, he is. <laughs> so even when you think that God is not around, he is. And if we will trust him, you will not be the underdog, all right? So there's your main point today. If you needed to rest or whatever, you got it. <laughs> That's what I want you to take home with you. Let's kind of work our way up to the point where we are in chapter four just a little bit today. I want to give you a few reminders about the book. Uh, if you guys know, uh, Artaxerxes is the king, and him and his wife have a little bit of a uh, spat. And so he's just like, okay, I can get another one, and She's out the door. I mean, that's how this stuff worked in those days, right? He had many wives, as it was. So they have a little beauty contest, right? And who wins the beauty contest? The little Jewish girl. What? <laughs> right? So this Jewish girl wins the beauty contest. and She ends up to get to be one of the king's wives. And that's who Esther is. Now, Esther has an uncle, and his name is Mordecai. And Mordecai is pretty influential Jewish leader in his community. And Mordecai has been struggling a little bit. Again, you think about, you know, Israel used to have their own nation and they're actually, you know, pulled into a whole different location. 
And so they've had to grow up with different culture, different language and dealing with all those things. So Mordecai, I'm sure, was wrestling with some of those things. And yet he was still uh, submissive to his government at certain times. Now, this is interesting. There comes a time that there were two men who were conspiring to kill the king. Mordecai finds out about this uh, what activity, and he lets the right officials know, and the king's life is spared because Mordecai was looking out for the king. Think about that for a little bit, right? You may not always agree with your politicians in charge. <laughs> Mordecai didn't want to be where he was. He'd rather been back in his homeland, and yet he was still following the Lord's lead and trying to do the right thing. I'm seeing some frowns there a little bit this morning, right? <laughs> That's not easy, is it, right? Sometimes when you don't agree with the leadership in charge, whether it's local or national or state leadership, and yet we still got to follow the Lord's lead regardless, amen? And sometimes that means supporting and protecting those people, even when we may not think the same way they do. Mordecai here is actually going to protect the king of his day. There's another big person in the picture, and his name is Haman. And Haman, I would call him a confidant of the king. And Haman and the king are kind of buddy-buddy, right? They get along pretty good. And the king has done some different things for Haman. And there actually will come a time where Haman will be honored by the king. And so what Haman desires is a parade. Anybody here would like to have your own parade? <laughs> right? So they, Haman gets the parade and they have to, to lead him through the town. And guess who does not bow down to Haman? The Jewish man, right? We know that from Daniel, right? I don't want the same food they're having. I'm, you know the three Hebrew boys, right? We're playing the music, everybody bows down. Do the Jewish boys bow down? They only bow down for one, and that, his name is God, right? And that's the same thing here with Mordecai. That same thing was instilled in him. I'm not bowing down before any man. Well, how do you think that made this really high and mighty Haman feel? By the way, Haman is a descendant of Amalek. He's Amalekite or Amalekite, however you pronounce it, okay? And Amalekites were known for their, their persecution and their hatred of God's people. So you can already see some tension building there, right? So Haman has his parade, Mordecai doesn't bow down, and Haman's like, uh, this won't be a problem later on once I get my full authority. And as a matter of fact, there's another little character. It's Haman's wife. I believe her name is Zeresh. And you know what Zeresh comes up with? You know what you ought to do, Haman? don't you go and you build some 50-foot poles and when we have the opportunity we will impale Mordecai on one of those poles. She sounded like a real sweet woman, didn't she? Right? So you're kind of getting the story of what is all going on, what is all taking place here in the book of Esther. So we have all this tension and oh by the way <laughs> we're going to run into an issue where that Haman is going to have an opportunity to do about whatever he wants. And so what he decides to do is to pick a day where they can go and annihilate and eradicate the Jews from their country. Does that sound familiar? Did that ever happen in history? Let's get rid of this group of people. They're not like us. Am I stumping on your toes yet? Because I'm trying really hard. <laughs> right? That's exactly what Haman was about. Let's get rid of all these Jewish people. Let's knock them out of here. And so... This day is going to come about, and that's where we're kind of coming into the situation. 
If you would, turn over chapter 3, just a chapter back from where you were, and let's look at verse 1. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagai, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. Verse 2, all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him, but Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command. There's Mordecai saying, not going to do it. Look down at verse 13, if you would. You can see, I told you how angry Haman was that Mordecai would not bow. Dispatchers were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their good. And that's where we come into the situation. Now, you guys know Esther is a Jew as well, although she's kind of secretly in the king's, you know, group there. And so she has an opportunity just a little bit. Let's look at this idea of facing destruction. Again, when I want you to think about the underdogs, it looks like there's no way that Esther and Mordecai have any chance of victory. But let's look there again in chapter four, but verse one this time. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. Quick aside there, isn't that interesting? That there would be no mourning inside of the king's gate. Right? We have certain areas and fences that we put up, and we want that to look beautiful and pretend there's nothing wrong. Again, I just think that's interesting that that's not a new human condition either, is it? It's been going around for a long time, okay? Verse 3, in every province to which the edict and the order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's eunuch and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of a sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's uh, eunuchs, signed tender and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. And so Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. You can even see money speaking, right? I mean, this is all the same normal vices, isn't it? I want power. I want control. I don't want anybody that's not like me in the situation. I want to pay to get my way. And I think it's really interesting that Mordecai will publicly decry what's happening. If you got this kind of news and you were kind of another one, you were one of the different people in the community, would you be bold enough to go around and to weep and to wail and letting people know what was going on? Mordecai had a lot of resolve, didn't he, right? And I'm going to say this, this is some penology here. I think it's because he feared the God of Abraham more than he feared Haman and the king. And can I say that to you today, that that should be our heart's desire too? That we would fear the God of Abraham, the God of Moses, the God of Isaac more than we would fear any ruling party or power. And so Mordecai is one of my heroes because he's bold enough to humble himself and to humble himself publicly 
to try to speak truth to people who needed to hear it. That's a strong person, isn't it, right? So you kind of see his situation. You can see Esther is really worried. I believe that they're her cousins, and she's really worried about the situation. She wants Mordecai to put on his normal clothes. Why is he dressed up like this? And what we find out here is we run into what most people would say is an impossible situation. Have you ever felt like you're in an impossible situation? Amen? I don't know how I'm getting out of this. I don't know. Maybe it's a health thing. What's going to happen? Maybe it's a financial thing. I've made a big mistake here. I don't know how this is going. Maybe it's a work thing. I don't know where this, how this can possibly be any good in this thing. And that helps you kind of feel, I think, for Mordecai and Esther a little bit here this morning, don't you, right? The king has put his stamp on Haman's mark that says on the 13th of this day, or yeah, that this day we're going to see all of our countrymen are going to be attacked to the point that they want to annihilate us and kill us and steal all of our goods. There's no hope. We're, not, we're the minority. We don't have any way. How are we going to handle this situation? And so here's the first thing I want you to think about this morning is I think sometimes God uses difficult circumstances to cause us to lean on him. When do you actually lean on God? When the, when the, the fish are biting? When you show up and you get free breakfast? Right? When, you know, the bank account actually, you know, I'm getting another stimulus check. It's not looking so bad now. You know what I'm saying? When things are kind of going well, my kids are doing good, and my health is good, and it's sunshine outside, is that when I'm really reaching out to God and just really trying to get to know him? Most of the time, for most of us, it's probably not, right? It, it should be a great time to, to have give thanks. And I, I'm really proud of our Esther and Synthal because they remind us to think about God's goodness, right, when things are good, okay? But a lot of times in our lives when things are like going, okay, well, thanks, Lord, love you. I'll be at church Sunday. See you then. Right? And what we need to think about here is I think when the Lord brings these things into our lives and everybody in this room in this past year, in one way or another, has had some difficulty and some trial, right? And they're all varying degrees and all different things. But what we need to see them as opportunities for us to really grow and lean upon the Lord. I'm going to tell you that Mordecai and Esther's faith is impressive to me already. But when you see the end of the story, man, could you imagine the kind of people that they were? What is the kind of people that God's trying to make us to be if we will lean on him in the difficult circumstances, okay? So I just want to encourage you that this morning. If you're facing some difficulty, look, Lord, how, how can I really get to know you better? And how can I see how you're trying to make something out of this for your glory and my joy? Well, we get a big ask. Look down in verse 8. We're going to look at the big ask from Mordecai. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation. So he's giving that to Esther, which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go to the king's presence to beg for mercy to plead with him for her people. So Hathak went back and reported to Esther and Mordecai that what Mordecai had said. Verse 10. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, at the king's officials and the people of the royal province know, excuse me, all the king's officials and the people of the royal province know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court, Without being summoned, the king has but one law. What's the one law? That they, may, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. Now, there's a lot of faith on a couple of people's plate parts here, right? 
Mordecai sees his end. He sees the end of his family. He sees the end of his community. He sees the end of his people. This country is going to come and they're, they're going to wipe us out. They're going to kill us all and take all our stuff. Esther, Esther, you've got to do something. You're close to the king. The king likes you. You've got to go to him and beg for mercy. Esther, you've got to do something. Now that's special on Mordecai's part to see that as an opportunity, isn't it, right? Would you ask your friends to risk your life for you? Maybe you would, right? But that's how where Mordecai's at. That's how desperate this situation is. If he reaches out in faith and says, Esther, you have got to step up. But what's Esther's thinking about this situation? What's Esther know is the real possibility, right? If I go to the king when I'm not asked to go to the king, and he does not put his scepter out for me, do you know what that means for me? That is the end of me. That's the rules. And I bet you in her situation, Esther had probably seen or heard that happen. If you know some of the history and some of the, the peoples that we're dealing with, the things that they did to their enemy peoples, that's a very real possibility that that had happened on more than one occasion. So it's not like some, not something that's not plausible. This is very plausible that Esther could be losing her life to bring this request to the king, and she has not been called to go to the king. So look down, if you would, in verse 12, and we're going to see how Esther responds. Accepting the challenge, verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. King's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Say what? <laughs> he really laid it out, didn't he? Wow. Esther, I know you're scared, but we know this. We know the scriptures. We know that a Messiah is coming. We know that we will not be annihilated because we know God will deliver his people. Esther, don't you know these things? Can you hear the faith of Mordecai? He trusts and believes that God will make it happen. He doesn't know how it will happen, but he knows that it will come to pass. He says, Esther, don't you want to be one of those people who's part of the deliverance, not the one who is remembered who failed the opportunity? Then, of course, he hits her with those words that just like crushes, I'm sure. God put you in that place for this reason. Maybe it was because you are a pretty young Jewish girl. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't because he just wanted to be nice to you and give you good food and let you have a nice place to live. I'm about to really wail on some people right now. Hello? Have we been blessed to be a blessing? Right? I mean, this week, we've been, I haven't even read you the latest update, but Sindhu sends us an email saying this young woman wants to be baptized. They go do a secret baptism because of the fear. They had already got kicked out of one place, did another place. Her husband said it was okay. And they, they got his permission ahead of time. She goes back home, brings home a Bible. He takes the Bible, destroys it. He beats his wife and kicks her out of the house. Later on, she runs to the church planner and to Sindhu to meet up with them and basically say, what am I to do now? Later on, the husband shows up at the church planner's house 
And he is threatening to take them to the police for coercion, not for salvation, but because they, he believes that they've forced this faith on her. This little, I say little, most Indian ladies are little. That's probably, sorry about that. <laughs> that's in my head, in my mind. This little Rinku, she is said, my faith in Jesus is strong, even if I must suffer. And you know what, what my kind of response in a, in a flippant way it shouldn't be sometimes is? Oh, I'm sorry that happens over in the, in the world. Well, I'm going to go, what's on TV now? Maybe God puts you in the place you're in more than just to have a nice meal and a nice house and a nice car. And maybe it's not for you to deal with India, but maybe it is for you to deal with human trafficking in your neighborhood. Or maybe it is for you to go and help hand out some food with the homeless, or maybe to help servants heart, help some of our people don't have enough food in our community, or maybe just to go down to the nursing home and spend half an hour listening to someone share their stories of their life with someone because nobody else will visit them. You hear what the Lord is saying? Maybe the good things that have come in your life aren't just because you're such a great person and you ought to be blessed, but maybe that they're to be used as an opportunity. Maybe God puts you here for such a time as this. Lord, speak to my heart. He is speaking to my heart. Lord, help change me to be what I need to be, all right? You guys, let's be obedient to the Lord as he leads. I don't know what God's got for you, and I don't know what are the things that you're just to enjoy and what are the things you're supposed to do work. But I have a feeling that there's a lot of times that the Lord has put us in a place for a certain thing, and we just think it's so we can have some, some nice stuff. So Esther is really weighing this out. Mordecai says it out, and he, his faith is so strong. Who knows? Maybe you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. Verse 15. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Esther pushes back. Isn't that great? Doesn't she have the right to do that? You're asking me to risk my life? You're asking me to step in? This could be the end of me? If I'm going to do this, I am not doing it alone. And should she have to do it alone? Should anybody in our church have to do things alone when it comes to obeying the Lord? They should have an army of people praying behind them when they take big risks for God. Amen? Come on now. That's what Esther did. If I'm going to do this, you guys have to get behind me. And not just, you know, and again, bear with me just a little bit, but not just say a little prayer before you eat. This is some intense time. You've got to go before the Lord, and we've got to do this together. I'm telling you, for three days, I need you to not eat or drink for three days. And I need you to go before God before I go before the king. Do you also see how Esther is acknowledging God before she does the really, really big thing? I think my so many times I just like step into things, right? Oh, well, maybe this is what I should do. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> Esther didn't do that. Esther says, I've got to acknowledge God, and I need a people of prayer warriors behind me if I'm going to step out and do this thing. So such a challenge. You guys, I want to encourage you, if you're going to take big risks for God, don't go it alone, but make sure that you're going to do that. And then look at Mordecai. What did Mordecai do? What was his response? He did it. He carried out his instruct, her instructions, right? He obeyed. <laughs> Okay, you're right. You got me on this one, Esther. If you're going to risk your life, we have got to get behind you in prayer. 
I'm going to go and get our family, our community together, and we're going to get behind you. Will you guys, quick uh, summary here. I need Paul Harvey here today to, to tell the rest of the story, but finish it up. If you know Esther, you know the rest of the story, right? Does Esther get allowed in? Sure enough, he, sends, uh, he shares the gold scepter. She comes in, and Esther sets up a banquet. She kind of does it in a sneaky way, right? She invites Haman, but she invites him again like he has two opportunities and she says, oh, we're going to honor somebody at this banquet. You really want to be there, Haman. Have you guys ever had anything like this? You know what I hated probably the most when I was a young kid, like in eighth grade or 12th grade, they would do those award things and they'd have like who the best student is or whatever. And I'd be sitting there. I'd be like, I wonder if it's me. I wonder if it's me. Of course, it was never me. <laughs> right. That's where Haman is right here. Right. He is like, oh, they're going to have a banquet. They're going to honor someone. Me and the king are like this. I bet he's really just wanting to share with the whole country. What a great person that I am. And so he thinks he's going to be honored. And that's when we get the poll set up by his wife. Uh, and then the next thing you know, the king can't sleep one night. So what happens in his, uh, when he can't sleep? Oh, bring out the old history records. That always helps me sleep. <laughs> and he brings them out. And what was written in one of the records? Oh, remember, King, there was a conspiracy against you where these two guys were trying to take your life, but it was uh, Mordecai the Jew that exposed that. Mordecai the Jew, I want to honor that guy. Let's let everybody know what a great guy he is. And so how the whole story ends up, which is amazing why it's such a wonderful book, is that you have Haman leading Mordecai down Mordecai's parade. Woo, is God amazing? Look at the underdog. The underdog who wouldn't bow down, he's now the one that's got the parade because God is on the throne, even though he's not in the book. Praise the Lord. You guys, when you feel like that and you feel like, I don't know, I just got to do the right thing, but I don't know where the Lord is. He's there. And he honors his word. And he will deliver. But he delivers here for Mordecai and for Esther. Well, if you know the end of the story, you'll know that Haman ends up being the one impaled. They change the law so that the Jews can now fight for themselves and there is no annihilation or destruction. And this would be the history of a holiday that the Jews call Purim. Okay? If we ever get back to eating, I think Megan wants to have us a Purim feast or festival, right? <laughs> Where we can actually eat the foods that they eat and kind of remember this story. Once again, God does the impossible in a hopeless situation. Courage. God can use you too. Right? He can. He is. But you just got to submit yourself to our United States history that is pretty famous. But I thought this is a pretty interesting relationship to this message. Rosa Parks was arrested in 1955 for refusing to give her bus seat to a white man. In her book, Quiet Strength, again, I would share with you that I know your situation. I don't mean things you're facing, but I know that many of you sometimes feel like that there's no way out of the situation, Okay. And I would encourage you that there is definitely a way out. And it may not always be the way we think, and it may not be the results we are expecting, but there is a way through if we can trust the Lord. 
And ultimately, for sure, it'll be worth it in the end when we see him face to face and we have to answer for what we did while we were here. I just want to encourage you guys today to be obedient to the Lord, okay? Let's pray. Let's ask God to speak to our hearts and our situations this week and to make himself great. Lord, today, it is just so good to be in your word. And Lord, we've done all of these different stories, Rahab and the Samaritan woman and Gideon and the loaves and fishes and their Sunday school stories, but they're so powerful and true. And they remind us of who you are and what you have for us. Lord, please help us never to escape them and not ever belittle them, but to see what a great God you are because of these truths that you've shared. Lord, we thank you so much today for people like Mordecai who would publicly stand for truth and who wouldn't bow down, but who would mourn and weep over injustice. And Lord, who would be bold enough to encourage other people to take a step forward in faith and to protect and to do what is right. So Lord, I pray that you would take that heart of faith of Mordecai and place that in us. Lord, thank you so much for Esther and Lord, her willingness to sacrifice her very life or to perish if, if need be that her people might find uh, salvation. And Lord, I pray again that you would give that faith and the heart of Esther, Lord, in our hearts too, or that we would be more concerned about the things that really matter and so much less concerned about the things that don't. Lord, thank you for convicting my heart this morning and please help us to be careful of just taking your blessing and assuming that, well, that's just for us feel good and to be blessed but lord please help us to utilize the blessing you give us that your name would be great and lord that people would be delivered and rescued from the hurt and the trouble and the mess that they're in lord please again i pray to just help us to make the right changes that we would use our blessings for your kingdom god we want to say that we love you so much today please help us to depend on you and most of all lord would you help us to be bold enough to share our steps of faith with our brothers and sisters here that we could pray and we could support and we could encourage and come around one another at those most desperate times and so people would know that they are not alone when they are trying to follow you Lord, we love you and it's in jesus name we pray amen all right guys just a few quick announcements